the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network presents. Take a seat and buckle up, folks, because Chad Allen, Shelly Allen, Zach Romero, and Luna Lynn are here to violate your ear holes with more indie wrestling, pop culture, and pee-pee humor than you could possibly mentally or emotionally prepare for. You're here for reviews, interviews, nonsense, and more nonsense. It's the IndieCast! Daddy, are you grilling? Well, that's the opening. No. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the IndieCast After Dark. It is Luna Ooh. and Zach uh, hosting tonight, and uh, this pro wrestling podcast will be the all television and film production <laughs> yeah, podcast like, I tonight. I don't even know why you called a wrestling no podcast pro- Yes, it's the television podcast without a podcast, as we're going to be talking about the weird shit that we've been watching lately. Um, mainly just match game uh, through the 70s. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if you want to tell people like how boring we are. Like, we've been working on a lot of shit, and yeah. so it helps to have something not super distracting on in the background, and so we've stumbled upon mm-hmm. old episodes of Match Game from the 70s available on Amazon Prime. And so we've been watching that and picking favorites and... It's quality. Yelling at a lot of contestants. How is... Okay. Yeah. Tell me if I, if we're wrong for being upset about this. The question was, the cannibal said, I just had an Italian meal. It was blank cacciatore. Everybody was mad about this guy's answer. About- and the fuck mook who answered, his answer was Italian. Meaning, he thought the answer was, the cannibal said, I just had a great Italian meal. I had Italian cacciatore. What the fuck is going on? Terrible. He, he didn't know. Like, and none of his answers were good, though. No, like, terrible. they couldn't have got him off that show faster if they tried. Like, even Gene. So like, why? So let's delve into this a little it. bit. Why do you enjoy seventies match game? Um. Well, I mean, part of it is the panel of celebrity guests right. because um, Brett and Charles Nelson Riley are my fucking faves. Like, Richard Dawson, uh, classic. Yeah. Richard Betty White. Waiting to die, Dawson. Betty yeah. White. What the fuck is wrong with her? Who bumped oh, her head? Yeah. How has she survived this long being that much of an idiot? I don't know. But Nipsey Russell's on there. I love Nipsey. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. No, the panel's really great. And um, basically when any of the questions should, the the right answer should be like ass or titties, but they can't say that on TV because it's, it's the 70s. 70s. Yeah. So womp womp, you have to come up with something still funny, but like definitely ass or titties though. Like, Which we actually <laughs> did the research and found like, because the original match game was in the 60s, I guess, mm-hmm. and allegedly was very wholesome and boring. And literally the premise of the 70s reboot was, yeah. What can we do in terms of double entendres to almost get us thrown off the air? Oh, totally. And obviously they found tremendous success with it because yeah. that show went on forever. So, uh, so yeah, we've been watching that a lot and losing our shit about bad guests and Ridiculous Brett and Charles yeah. and Richard Dawson basically getting everybody pregnant. Oh, yeah, and you can, like, tell, like, clearly it's one of those things where they film several episodes per day, because um, there's definitely episodes where you're like, oh, this was the end of the day when everybody's trashed, because they've absolutely been drinking or doing some lewds yeah, in doing between the fucking takes, and you're like, oh, everybody's playing it fast and loose now, yeah. like, we're getting crazy. Yeah, um, and then we just saw one where the contestant's wife was in the crowd, 
actively going into labor. Yeah, like, she's actually, he says, like, oh, no, she's having contractions, like, right now. And Jean's like, what the fuck? Why would you bring her here then? Why are you on the show? They're all panicking because this pregnant woman is definitely going to give birth in the fucking studio. Like, come on. Right on the linoleum. Uh, According to them, they shared a stage with uh, the Mary Mary Taylor Moore show. So they put new new linoleum. Allegedly, yes. Uh, But yeah, so, and then we found that Richard Dawson is like dead inside by 78 because he's Mm -hmm. pulling double duty being on Match Game and then also hosting Family Feud, Mm -hmm. which definitely killed his soul. Um, Yeah. Because people are dumb. Um, But yeah, so we were watching a lot of Match Game because that's the kind of exciting. Mm A lot of orange shag carpet. Yes. A lot of really obnoxious ties and ascots, which is a delay. Yes. And Gene Rayburn just getting more and more over it as time went on and just being actively shitty to contestants, which is in itself super entertaining. Yeah. No, and the last one, too. Like, he couldn't even finish his sentence of, like, well, you tried. He was just like, uh," and then he just turns and walks away. (laughs) He's just like, okay. We gotta get. We gotta go through the formalities. That was his fucking line. Yeah. Of like, you're definitely wrong. You've lost all of this. Like Jesus Christ. I was like, oh my god. So uh, the other Sick thing beauty. we've been trying to stay hip with, because obviously watching Match Game from the seventies is it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a new trailer for the official sequel to The Shining, mm-hmm. called Doctor Sleep, which uh, you know Stephen King obviously did write and uh, and put together and stuff. Like that. And he's got like a big part of, like, production of this film adaptation. Um, so before we d- dive into, like, the nerdy parts, what did you think of the trailer overall? You and McGregor starring as Yeah, Danny. I was like, that's all I needed to see. Because I, I pulled it up, and I was like, oh, it's Ian McGregor. And then I was like, I'm already here. Like, the movie will probably suck, because, like, a lot of Stephen King's other work doesn't translate well to mm-hmm. the screen. And, like, I feel like, especially with The Shining being as iconic as Kubrick's representation was, that if you do something that's, like, too Stephen Kingy with it, it's not going to hold up. Because, mm. like, Kubrick's Shining was a fucking masterpiece. Well, my concern about this is a lot of what I feel are Stephen King's, like, strongest stories are all contained to a small cast. Mm-hmm. Like... The Shining is is basically mostly just the Torrance family. Yeah. Um, you know, Pet Cemetery is like basically one family. Um, it is you know the Losers Club. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's like not quite small stakes, but it's like a very intimate sort yeah. of world. And as soon as you start building mm-hmm. a universe, that's when things kind of go sideways. Like. The stand is okay, but you've got so many fucking characters by the time that story's done. You're like, I don't even know. Yeah. All I know is Patrick Star spelling moon. That's all I've got. I totally lost everybody else. I think that's it. Um, and the Langoliers is really dumb because it's like trying to build a whole world. Even Rose Red gets a little sideways because it has so many characters in it. Well, I don't even know if it's because of so many characters, but I think because they did it as a miniseries, like, there are certain parts of it that kind of get drawn out because they mm-hmm. had to fill they time. time. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, it was too long for a movie, but not long enough, really, for a miniseries. But Rosario does hold a very special place in my heart. Oh, no, it's great. I enjoy it. But it's one of those things where, like, when you introduce too many characters, it's hard to keep everybody interesting. Yeah. Um. So, I bring all that up because part of Dr. Sleep is, like, bringing up this idea of, like, oh... There's, like, an evil cult of people who have The Shining 
and like they want to kill other people and blah blah blah. And it's like now you're building a bigger world. It's not just like oh, Danny can see stuff and so can Scatman Crothers. Yeah, and the thing I don't, which like I've never read Doctor Sleep, so I don't know mm-hmm. why it's called that. But like the thing oh, I don't because that's what Danny's called because he helps. He has a psychic cat. And uh, it helps. He, yeah, he's got a psychic cat friend who's Is got just the, Winnie the Pooh. He's got a cat who's yes, he's who's got the shining. Yeah. And so he works in like a medical care place, and he helps people to move on, Yeah, move on to the next plane, and he's called Doctor Sleep. Doctor Kevorkian. Okay, yeah. so um, the thing I don't understand mm-hmm. is like. Uh, you know, the movie plays it a little fast and loose as far as, like, what this Shining actually is. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like you can see dead people. Well, it's kind of like, psychic it's ability. Really it's kind of, yeah, a little bit. It's, you can kind of communicate with other people. It's kind of a catch-all of psychic powers. Yeah, because it's like, powers. he and Scatman, like, had, like, the te- telepathic yeah. thing. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And, like, yeah, Danny saw some weird shit. And mostly, like, relative to the people who had died in, um... But so did Jack, did Jack, does Jack have The Shining, too? That was my point. And then how did Jack get out of the freezer? Like, was that that's, The Shining? That's what's not... Asleep. I know. Now we we're, got, now we're getting into stuff. So, anyway... Who was the guy in the boar suit? You know, like... That's I've got a great a question. Um, what was so, his phone number? Why, yeah. So, one of the things that was really surprising about the trailer is the amount of scenes that they showcase... That are faithful recreations of Kubrick Shining. Oh yeah, no, it's very much a hey, remember how cool the Shining was, right? Yeah, which is extra shocking because Stephen King famously fucking hates Kubrick Shining mm-hmm. because he said that like he took too many liberties with the story and the characters and blah 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 blah, and so he famously hated Kubrick's version and even made his own TV version, which sucked. It was boring as shit. Um, yeah. So it's shocking that in this trailer for the sequel that Stephen King has a big hand in, that they would use so much of the visual elements of Kubrick Shining. Mm-hmm. However, my running theory right now is Kubrick Shining is very in right now. There's been like Alamo Drafthouse re-showings of it. They did it with the cinema flashback series. Oh, yeah. no, There's been so much merchandise made in, in the last couple years. Like It's just a very big, like, god damn, this is a really great visual yeah. story that's told and it's a really great movie it's a great movie and i feel like it would be it would make life a lot more difficult in terms of the sequel to have to re-explain things from the shining meaning like ah uh, it's room 217 and you're like huh it's like, well, I know it's 237 in the Kubrick version, but in the book version, it's 217. Like, you'd have to do a lot of... Like, it yeah. would almost need, like, its own, like, uh, like um, not bibliography. Um, like, a, like a companion guide. Yeah, it would need, like, a cliff notes of, like, yeah. here's what this means, by the way. Like, yeah, or if the Grady just, twins didn't wear blue, they blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, exactly. just, what the fucking Or if Grady it's, like, twins? just this little kid wandering around, you're like, who the fuck is that? And then you have to wear a little that's sign that says, for. like, it's Danny. And then you're right. like, that's not Yeah, Danny. exactly. Yeah. If, if, if Danny Torrance has, like, a mohawk and, and is yeah, wearing, like, overalls, that. and you're like, who the hell's this kid? Oh, it's Danny. Like, that's not what Danny looks like. Well, that wasn't a really great representation. You know, like, yeah. so I feel like part of it is just, as it's going to be easier shorthand mm-hmm. to just show Kubrick stuff. Yeah. And then also, from a marketing standpoint, I feel like the discussion with Stephen King was, look, I get that you didn't like it, 
visually though, None it's already going to put matters. people in seats because yeah. people are talking about this trailer because of how they replicated Kubrick stuff because That's it's right. so visually engaging and they don't really, I, I hate to be like nostalgic cuck, but they don't really make movies like that anymore. Like where the visual elements of it, of just the setting is so yeah. engaging that you're like, that's the, the hotel itself is memorable. Typically, right, like, you don't see that much anymore. You're not buying shirts with the carpet pattern from fucking... Right, from Little Nemo or whatever, yeah. yeah. That's underwater. I don't, well, you don't... Okay. No, no, well, Finding Nemo, but Little Nemo is my shit. So Little Nemo, yes. Yeah. Um, Pajamas? Yeah. Right. Well, no, like, take, for instance, um, Thor Ragnarok. Right. It had a very interesting color palette to it, a lot of very interesting, like, areas mm-hmm. and landscapes and stuff like that. Kind of the color palette in some of the merch, a little bit. But mostly just the characters. Yeah. Very rarely do you ever go like, wow, just the look of this film was so engaging and has left such a mark that, you know, yeah, we're merchandising it. So I feel like just that alone, excuse me, that alone is like, well, you're going to get people to come see this movie because you're saying this. So I I feel like logistically, hey, it's going to make life a lot easier in telling the story if we use some of the cues and, and visuals from Kubrick. And then number two you're already getting people interested but just by being like, huh? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just the visuals, because at the end, they play, like, the big organ, deep, bassy song yeah. from The Shining. So it's obviously, that part is just marketing. That part's just like, huh? Huh? You remember? The Shining, get it? Right. Yeah. Um, well, no, but my concern as far as, like, OG Shining not giving a ton of details about The Shining itself or, like, what having The Shining really means is that this one's going to give too many details and it's going to get that's fucking a great, stupid. That's a great point, yeah, yeah that we may over-explain like, now and it'll be like, I don't care. Right, because it's like, oh, this evil cult's trying to, like, manipulate having The Shining and I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to know anything about that. Right. No. And like, I'll be interested uh-uh. to see, like, what story elements get fuzzy. Yeah. Because that was a lot of Stephen King's big sticking points was like, well, Jack Torrance, because he was portrayed by like prime Jack Nicholson, yeah. already starts the movie kind of seeming crazy. Oh yeah, no, like his he doesn't go far Apple doesn't fall far off of that tree. Right. Like, Whereas just- in the book, Jack is like a little meek baby man with a drinking problem and then spirals into madness, so it's like a clear mm-hmm shift in in tone whereas in this even when jack's like no we're gonna go to this hotel you're like he might kill everybody just because he's got crazy face so i'm curious to see how much of that they're gonna try to like if that's gonna be where the growing pains are not because it's one thing to be like i don't know man put the fucking carpet in who cares Mm -hmm. that's easy but to be like oh well the movie-going audience knows Jack Torrance as Jack Nicholson. Yeah. But to make the story work, it may need to be more book Jack Torrance, which might that might be where the growing pains come from. Also, yeah, the fucking day and age we're living in where Stephen King is, like, pretty cool with other people running with his shit because well, they've made a lot God. of changes to It yeah. Chapter 1, and they're clearly going to make a lot of changes in It Chapter 2. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's cool with that, I'm like, well, again, thank well, he's God super though, because out. the best movie adaptations of Stephen King have been by other people. Like, mm. when given the keys, he created Maximum Overdrive. To be fair, he was given the keys and the keys of Coke. That's a lot. Doesn't matter. That's he a lot keys, to deal. And he fucked up hard. That's a big deal. And most other movies just don't work that well because he gets fucking weird with it. Carrie was like, good. Well, yeah. 
But I mean, there's other shit that you're just like, no, that's not. No, bad. I would say it's a, it's a, at best, it's a push. Exactly. Where it's like, yeah, there's some good, there's some bad. You yeah. may go, there's more bad than good. Mm-hmm. Um, Dreamcatcher, something crawled up a man's asshole. Anyway. Um, like the mist isn't that a stephen king too and i fucking hate that movie because it has a shitbag ending it does it yeah. does yeah that's just a depressing ending just to be depressing yeah exactly that was like oh fuck you just for showing up like thanks movie i didn't come here for those yeah um i don't know dr sleep seems interesting we don't typically see movies in theaters so i don't know if we're gonna go see it when it's out but i'd be interested to see it because mm-hmm. a i think ewan mcgregor's a great actor b I don't know, man. They're doing a lot of fucking effort to recreate Kubrick shit. I'm interested to see where that goes. Yeah, I'm pretty into that. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, So the other thing that we want to talk about here is do a sort of uh, soft introduction to another podcast within a podcast. Um, But before we do that... How many of those do we have? I like 75 now. But before we do that... I did want to briefly talk some um, theme park stuff since our other co-hosts are, are out mm-hmm. in the Disney proper right now. What? In the um, Disney ether? The, yes, the, the Disney. Um, yeah. So, I read an article recently that talked about the uh, agreements in terms of money when it comes to Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. And that... Because Marvel already signed the, the dotted line with Universal to make Marvel Superhero Island... Uh, that that limits what Disney can do in Florida. Right. Which, which... The beauty of it is, like, anybody who's done a tiny amount of research, whenever, like, the MCU got big and then Disney acquired it, everybody was like, oh, Universal's gonna have to close all their Bye. shit. Get the bulldozers. Yeah. <sighs> well, you know, assholes, they had a, they had a predetermined agreement. Right. Like, uh, legally, I'm pretty sure Disney can't just get flip them the bird and go, fuck right. you, we're taking over. Yeah. Here's Chris Evans. Nor has like, nor has either theme park been that brazen. Like they're always right. underhanded and shitty. Like MGM Studios came out to beat Universal to the punch, yeah. but it wasn't called also Universal Studios. Like better Universal. They're, yeah, they're not yeah. that brazen. They're all very like hidden and shitty. <laughs> so um, essentially, it limits what Disney can do in Florida with Marvel. Mm-hmm. Meaning, uh, the I think the agreement is something along the lines of, like, if there's a character that's already established at Universal, mm-hmm. or any names already Universal, you can't use it. Which means, anything that they do, like, let's say they bulldozed Toontown, and they were going to make it, like, Marvelville or something what like that. Fuck you couldn't call it that. You can't call it Marvel, because Marvel Superhero Island is already a Universal. Mm-hmm. So it would have to be called, like, you know... The Avengers Initiative or something like that. Um, But that doesn't apply to California. Mm -hmm. So that's why California is doing like a full Avengers thing and why Orlando just has the Guardians of the Galaxy thing and that's it for right now because that's not used. So um, what are your thoughts on all this? Is that obviously your thoughts is, yeah, haha, sour grapes to people who thought that this was going to mean like Universal's done. But also just in general, are you saddened that, like, we're going to get sort of a, you know, we don't get the prime players for Disney's take on Marvel? Or does it not really matter to you? Well, the thing is, knowing Disney, they probably wouldn't do much anyway. You know, and I don't mean that in a shitty way, but, like, when given the keys to the kingdom, or at least given the option, the first dibs on the keys to the Harry Potter kingdom, 
They, they offered did. J.K. They Rowling a fucking walkthrough. Okay, but that so is... So, like, well, even if you gave them, oh, here's the entire Marvel fucking universe, what are you going to do? They'd here's be like, the thing. Can we convert Dumbo into that, fucking... That, yes, but that's pre-Bob Iger. Because Bob Iger mm-hmm. has been of the philosophy of, does Disney make anything? Don't answer that. I don't care. Because... <laughs> Half of MGM is now fucking Star other, Wars. Yeah, other properties. So, yeah. well, I mean, really though, they're more money than and Jesus. still and they're still doing goddamn Avatar Land and goddamn Disney Animal Kingdom, and no one gives a shit about that movie anymore. Oh, no. Nor do they ever. Well, what so, else are you gonna put in Animal Kingdom? Like Black Panther, fucking area, Wakanda. All right, that'd be pretty cool. Then. Fucking yeah. yeah, it'd be rad. So. I don't know. I think you're right in terms of this was like 10 years ago. They would fumble it. They would yeah. have no clue. Now, I don't know, man. They're really into other people's properties. Like, Well, true, but it, I don't know. I mean, I guess they would still have to kind of go universal with it because the um, the new Star Wars... Galaxy uh, Edge. Yeah, but whatever the fucking right is. It's like smugglers, bounty hunting, Kessel Run, whatever. You fucking ride the Millennium Falcon. But, like, that is basically a universal ride because it's, like, you get in it and there's screens and it's the motion boop boop. Like, it's not tangible, but which is most of uh, Disney's other bullshit right now. Um, But they would basically just have to do the Spider-Man ride but with Avengers. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that there's a lot of new territory for them to counter with that. Like, Although, I love the new Mickey Mouse shorts. We've we've established that. Of course. But... What if you make the great movie ride, but it's just the Marvel movies? <laughs> That's ridiculous. And fucking have Bucky show up, the big fight with everybody from Civil War. Have fucking I'm Always Angry Hulk transformation. Like, no. no. Still have Gene Kelly singing for some reason because we couldn't move that animatronic. It's yeah. a load-bearing animatronic for some reason. Yeah, no, I'd be down for that, yeah. I'm saying it could well, work. What, no, because it would have to be like Tony watching a hologram of singing in the rain in his lap. Right, because again, we couldn't yeah. do it. We couldn't get rid of it for some reason. Yeah, it was very a, important. Contractually Because there's, go- there's a ghost in it or something, because it's Disney. There's definitely a ghost in it. Um, fucking The Collector's Haunted Mansion. There you go. Know. Yeah. The Collector's House of Illusions and ghosts. ghosts. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, like, a little bit in the sense of I would like to see, like, what Disney could do with it. If they are going hog wild. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just wish they would go hog wild on merch. They want to merch That's true. children. That's true. I would like good adult things. Yes. Please. But with, like, actual MCU people. Not, like, it's a drawing of fucking right. somebody. Like, fuck that shit. I want, like, actual good things. Well, I was going to say, we talked about it before, that... The Harry Potter merch when that first dropped at Universal completely changed the game in terms oh, of like, idea. hey, here's high quality, top tier. Oh, did you see what one of the uh, whatever fucking Comic Con's coming up exclusives for the Harry Potter pops is? No, they're doing a Rita Skeeter. Oh, that's great! I wonder so much. She's so cute. Excellent, yeah. excellent. That one will probably be at Hot Topic, but the goddamn vegan police won't be. Oh, I know. Scott Pilgrim pops are always fucking ridiculous um so anyway so let's do this little soft open here oh okay i thought we were still gonna talk about marvel oh yeah any other thoughts on that other than up your goddamn merch game i i mean yeah definitely i mean they're um, probably gonna do that for star wars with the new galaxy edge so hopefully that leads oh, them so to like well let's up this too well and the thing too is especially if they're 
depending on how the MCU handles the next phase or mm-hmm. whatever the next arc is, they can lean heavy on that. Because mm. like you said, Universal's limited to the characters they already have in place. Right. They can't add Captain Marvel or they right. can't add somebody who's like, but oh, they can they're update a big deal the now. costumes. Because oh, yeah, they've updated Cap a couple times. But I mean, like, if they do another Captain Marvel movie, mm-hmm. if they continue with Guardians, like, there's other shit that they could still do True. that's not just already in place by Universal. Because Universal mostly harps on, like, they have a couple of X-Men, they've got the Spidey shit, because they've got Spider-Man and Greed Goblin meet and greet. Um, like, they've got a handful, but, like... Fantastic Four. Yeah, exactly. So, like, they're not even necessarily focusing on, like, MCU characters. Right. So, like, there is a lot of wiggle room for Disney. True. All right, so the other podcast within a podcast that we'll be introducing other, other here soon uh, is aptly called... It's a segment uh, we like to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, called Fuck You, It's a Good Movie. And essentially what it'll be is uh, a deep dive and uh, a very attorney-at-law, lawyer-esque defense of a film that is not necessarily a great film mm-hmm. or an all-time classic, but a film that maybe either is forgotten or gets undue amounts of hate. Yes. And so... Uh, and I was almost thinking that we could do it where, like, we each pick a movie that we enjoy, but maybe either the other person doesn't, or again, just one in general that isn't quite regarded as a good as good of a movie as it should be, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And then uh, state our arguments and go from there. Excellent, yeah. excellent. And then we I'm- can handle it that way, so it's more of, like, a debate. True, and also uh, the ending of that segment will be a film that we hate, that apparently has some kind of like fan base to Ooh, it or I something like that. Like that. Yeah. So a yeah, movie that got a lot of hype. But yes. Okay. So basically, the the podcast within a podcast will be a dual defense of uh, mm. movies that are maybe not as enjoyed by the mainstream, and then ends with a go fuck yourself. Nelly, do you have an example off the top of your noodle? I do have an example. Okay. Is it my, my example? Because I'm going to be mad at No, I don't think okay. so. Oh, for the ending part? The well, ending no, no, part no. was just yours. The ending part is definitely yours. But I mean, like, because my fuck you, it's a good movie, is always like, that's. that's so I can movie. go first if you'd like. Yes. So uh, this is going to be a more abbreviated version of it. But mm-hmm. essentially, the first one for my fuck you, it's a good movie is Ghostbusters 2. Now, this is a little bit hindsighty. Because after the 2016 all-female-led Ghostbusters 1 got poo-pooed by everybody, uh, Ghostbusters 2 kind of got looked at in a slightly better light than it used to. Mm -hmm. But prior to that film, Ghostbusters 2 was the butt of a lot of jokes. Mm -hmm. It was very much, like, dumped on as not living up to the first one and just being, oh, it sucks and it's not good and blah, 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 it's not funny and yada, yada, yada. Which, as we've kind of touched on before, it's because it was on Comedy Central. That was, yeah, exactly. That's how I was going to end my argument. But yes. Over and over again. For whatever reason, Comedy Central had gotten the the release rights on TV for Ghostbusters 2, but not Ghostbusters 1. So they played it all the time. So I remember seeing that one a hell of a lot more than I saw the original as a kid, just Mm -hmm. because it was on literally every afternoon or it was on every weekend. So I've seen that one a thousand times. And so I think people just got sick of it. Mm-hmm. And didn't find it as funny anymore because you watched it a thousand times. Very rarely do you ever watch yeah. something a million times and laugh just as hard the millionth time right. as you did the first time. Um, however, some things to keep in mind about Ghostbusters 2. For a movie that everybody says is a piece of shit, it is ripped off constantly by sequels. Well, it is the, it, I would say it is the sequel formula. It is the prototypical <laughs> yeah. sequel formula. 
we didn't feel we could tell an interesting story of the Ghostbusters being a success because mm-hmm. they are at the end of the first one. Oh, yeah. They beat they Gozer. Yeah. They beat the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. They, uh, New York loves them. They saved the mm-hmm. day. Hooray. No, Start uh, of Ghostbusters yeah. 2. Oh, we suck and everybody hates us. Yeah. Why? Well, because we couldn't think of an interesting story of them being on top. Right. We had to bullshit some stuff about them having to pay Oh, everyone bottoms. sued us yeah. for some reason, and so now we suck again. Yeah. Even though we still saved the world, even if we owe people money... We still saved the world. It's there's yeah. f- there's evidence that we did that, but for, for some reason everyone thinks we're fakes again and something. I don't know. We're back at square one. Yeah. Which literally, so many sequels do that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Of well, they won in the last one. We couldn't come up with a good reason for where they go from there. So now they're back at square one for some off camera reason. Yeah. Um, but you've got Janine, who's more of a character mm-hmm. in two because that was when the cartoon was out. So they were trying to like connect her a little bit to be more sassy like she is on the cartoon yeah so that's why she's got like the different color glass Mm -hmm. or the different frame glasses and like the brighter colors because they were trying to connect the dots on that a little bit um you've got still everyone's still putting in a good performance like everyone's still funny you've got janos who's a great henchman character and has some of the best lines you've got vigo who is maybe not as like striking visually as gozer Mm -hmm. but very interesting character. Oh, yeah, they they gimmick. build a huge amount of like backstory on him in yeah. terms of the lore leading up to it. You've got the river of slime. Mm-hmm. You've got the dancing toaster. The dancing toaster. You've got the um, the bathtub instead of the fridge. Yeah. You've got Oscar the baby. You know, as the centerpiece of it all. Um, again, just like the beginning of like, oh well, they suck again. Oh. They weren't Sigourney together. Weaver doesn't like Bill Murray again. Yeah, or like... They were like making out of the last movie. Ah, they broke up somewhere. Yeah, okay. they broke up. She immediately got with somebody else, had a kid. Yeah, left broke up, that immediately was. got married, immediately had a kid, immediately got divorced. Yeah. And then, oh, I guess I'm going to fall for Bill Murray again. Um, yeah, I was like, why, why was did we do that? Yeah. Um, but no, there's... Uh, yes, there's some cheesy-ass shit, like when the goddamn... Titanic comes in and like Cheech Marin, well, better late than never. Like it's okay, uh, great. Um, I forgot about that. It's very dumb. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. It's cool. I like the new gear. the the uh, The darker gray yeah, jumpsuits like is cool. Um, uh, walking around with the Statue of Liberty is definitely jump the sharky. But whatever, yeah. it's another big creature thing like the Stay Puff. It's yeah, fine. Exactly. Um, I don't know. I think I, it's 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 perfectly fine as a sequel. It mm-hmm. carries on a lot of the same ideas. Oh, yeah. The the only thing that I would criticize it on is mm-hmm. the fact that it felt the need to do like the time jump. Yeah. Because like, oh well, Ray just sort of owns a bookstore now. Yeah, and you're like, well, and, how did we do that? Especially yeah. if they don't have any money. Like, how do right. we get the money to start the bookstore? Because you had to take out like 16 mortgages yeah. just to buy the firehouse. And like, like, got, like the whole team breaks up, and you're like, why though? Yeah. Like, you've proven definitively on television that the afterlife exists, right. and that ghosts are real, and yet for some reason you're all slumming it. Like, yeah. I don't, or I don't what about Bill Murray's TV show? Oh my god, the hairless cats, weird. Which can I tell you? I love that though. I do, the end I of do. days is Valentine's it. Day. Oh, yeah. Bummer. Like there's the, there's some great it's moments so on that. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. It's I, it's got a lot better moments than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, now that the 2016 one came out, 
now everyone looks at it more fondly. Yeah. Who knows about the fucking sequel to that? Like, who knows how that'll turn out? But, mm-hmm. um, no, fuck you. Ghostbusters 2 is a good movie. It's not great. It's not better than the first. But it certainly carries on. Plus, Tully gets laid. Like, come on, man. Finally, dude. Yeah. Him and Janine bone. And it's life. fucking awesome. Although I am sad about that because that means she had to drop her crush on Egon, which I thought was adorable. Because they definitely fondued in the first that was like, That was a disappointment. Yeah. And also weird. Because, like, okay, they've made the conscious decision. We're going to mm-hmm. make Janine more like the cartoon. Yeah. Guess what? In the cartoon, Janine and Egon are definitely a couple. Yeah. Like, they're definitely together. So why would you go, well, we don't want her to be that much like the cartoon. <laughs> why? Why did you cut off that? They needed something for Tully. I feel like they wrote that part, and then they were like, well, whatever. We'll just live with it then. Um, Yeah. It's it's decent. And then he gets to wear the jumpsuit, too, and it's funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's only room for Jell-O. There's some good lines in that. That's true. Although, um... You hound. When he's like, do you go to bed with (laughs) him? He definitely fucks the toaster. Right. Oh, God, that is, that is very good. It's my favorite gift That's boutique good. item. Yeah, there's a lot of great lines in that movie, so fuck you. <laughs> exactly, and hence the premise of fuck you, it's a good movie. Exactly. So, yes, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters 2 is a lot better than people give it shit for. Mm-hmm. Although, again, I'm not saying it's better than the original by any means, but it also is very memorable. And who doesn't like Janos? Oh, like, right. there's so many He's great, so like, just, oh, just a great henchman, a great foil yeah, just like what a weird fucking dude. Just a man. super yeah. weird character to just be like, no, that's it. And then he's the he's Mary he Ghost Mary Poppins at one point. Yeah, and he's got the weird bright the the bright lights down the hallway. That's a creepy ass scene. Mm-hmm. Or the when they're um, developing the photos of the Vigo and the, oh, and the whole fire. and the whole yeah. dark room catches on fire. That's a genuinely a tense moment. Like you're like, holy shit. Yeah, you're like, fuck, are we gonna die? And then yeah. Winston fucking pulls his weight like hey this is why i'm in this goddamn movie by the way like right i'm useful um no absolutely yep, uh, so there you go that's my defense of ghostbusters 2 fuck you it's a good movie good 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 the end so what about you well um i like my movie mm-hmm. and good start yeah uh well obviously because that's why fuck I you like it's a good my movie. movie yes um and I feel like it's one of those that gets a lot of unnecessary hate. And mm-hmm. again, not saying it's like it should have been a blockbuster or anything like that. But I feel like it just sort of got a bad rap and nobody's ever looked past that. It, to like give it credit where any credit was due. You know what I mean? Um, so for mine, it's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <gasps> okay. But that movie sucks! You suck. Um, I don't hate it. No, I know. But like, I feel like for not... Okay, so most people fucking hate origin stories, right? Because, like, for most characters, we already fucking know their origin. Right. And I feel like this movie did just fine because they skipped the origin. You they were like, know you who- fucking know who this is. Yeah, if you have, like, a minute... If if you took a fucking high school English course, like, English lit class, like, you know who these characters are. Like, right. you, you've at least heard of the portrait of Dorian Gray. You get right. that Mina Harker is fucking Dragon Well, that, I was gonna like, say, that's the other thing, too, is they, did, they did a decent job... Uh, okay, so anybody who hasn't seen League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, mm-hmm. it's basically like a an Avengers movie with literary characters. Mm-hmm. So it's Alan Quartermain and um, Nina from Dracula and Billy the Kid and Dorian yeah. Gray and the Invisible Man and Jekyll and Hyde. And it's this big super team-up group of literary characters. Um, Captain Nemo. Yeah. And so 
the movie does a great job in terms of giving you a little, like, sample bit of, like, well, you know who this is. And if you don't, they're played in such a way that it's like, okay, well, if you didn't know who this was, you'll figure, you'll it, figure out. it out pretty quick. Because exactly. I personally didn't know who Alan Quartermain was. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you see two scenes of Sean Connery, you're like, oh, he's Indiana Jones. Okay. Exactly. Then you're like, oh, Same right, thing. Right, right. Yeah. Like, oh, Billy the Kid. Let's say you didn't know who that was. Yeah. Bang, bang. He's a cowboy. Oh, he's a cowboy guy. Oh, I got it. Like Exactly. He's a sharpshooting good boy. Right. Like, oh, Dorian oh. Gray. Oh, he's Johnny Depp. Oh, I got it. Like, that's it. That's all you need. Thank you. Yeah. And, like, I know it's the it was the graphic novel by Alan mm-hmm. Moore, and so, like, a lot of people, I guess, were mad because it... I don't even know why. Like, because it wasn't, like, it was, to, like, I think, the graphic novel? Uh, yeah, but, I think it was just very cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, I mean, to a degree, there's definitely some, like, womp-womp kind of jokey bits. But, like, for the most part, and for being based on... Okay, so here's the thing. So, like, a lot of movies came out around that time based on sort of what I would at least consider more obscure graphic novels. Yes. There are a lot of movies that I didn't know were comic books at the right. time. Like, I didn't know From, From Hell was a fucking comic. It's also a written great by Alan movie. Moore. Right. It's a great movie. But I, unless somebody, like, until somebody physically told me, I was like, how, I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Like. Well, similarly to the um, 2016 Ghostbusters thing mm-hmm. kind of, like, recontextualizing Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. I feel like the Marvel Cinematic Universe has sort of recontextualized comic book movies. Oh, absolutely. Because it's like, well, wow, those a lot of those are really great. And it's like, well, yeah, because there was a lot of money, there was a lot right. of effort, a lot of people who, like, were familiar with the source material and wanted to tell the story. Exactly. Like, you look at Watchmen. Compare Watchmen to Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen. Watchmen was literally, although yeah. it's got problems, it doesn't translate perfectly, mm-hmm. they literally used pieces from the comic book as to storyboard the film. Yeah. Like, that's how much that they were like, this needs to be the comic book on film. No, or V for Vendetta. Like, there are comic book movies where they were like, it's going to be the book. Yeah. And that was kind of going to be my point, is not even necessarily that it had to absolutely follow the book, but that around that time of, like, if you're categorizing it in somewhat obscure graphic novel movies, that, like, Watchmen and V for Vendetta just took the cake. Like, right. there, nothing else can touch that. Right. So I feel like all the others kind of just got lost in the shuffle. And I feel like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was one of those. Like, people just kind of went, well, it's not fucking Watchmen, so fuck it. Like, well, obviously Watchmen came out after. But I think yeah. the the difference was you were in a Growing Pains era of comic book movies. Yeah. Because, like, you know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I feel like, was just sort of a gamble that just didn't pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Men in Black is a comic book movie. Is it really? Yeah. It's based off of, uh, an independent comic book series. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, there was a time where just like, oh, hey, there's kind of fucking comic book movies. But yeah. it was still a growing, like, fucking Blade and its sequels were coming out of this yeah, time. Exactly. Like, these are all growing pains. But then you also had, like, The Punisher with Dolph Lundgren. And you had Nick Fury with goddamn David Hasselhoff. Like, this was Whoa. a weird yeah. growing pains time for comic book movies. Mm-hmm. So they weren't going to nail it right away. Right. The other thing that I think is the um, the issue, if I had to say, like, the, the biggest uh, misstep mm-hmm. for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, mm-hmm. head of its time, it's trying to build a universe. Because the end of that movie sequel That's baits true. you into yeah. the game is afoot, and yeah. now we're trying to build a sequel. Yeah. You don't need to do that. At least not at that time. Too you didn't soon. you didn't yeah, need to go soon. like, aha, we'll see you in the next one. No, no. Mm-hmm. Make it a self-contained story mm-hmm. and and leave yeah. it at that. And then if it gains popularity 
we can tell other stories. Alan Moore wrote other books. Like yeah, you exactly. can do that. You can figure it out. But you can't bait it that early because then you're showing your hand as a studio. You're like, right. oh, well, you thought it was going to be worth it. It ain't that good. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that was in terms of production. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was the big misstep was. Well, true. Oh, we're going to set this up to make 10 movies. And it's like, make, but again, we haven't learned that lesson. DC keeps doing that. Yeah, I was gonna say like that's still a lesson to be learned though. But yes. I don't know if like that was the main, the major misstep because I think it, I don't know. Like you said, it was a gamble either way because mm-hmm. there were some movies that got fifteen completely unnecessary sequels, and then True. there's other movies that should have had sequels that didn't. So it's like it was. But super also, but also look at the difference in terms of the other Alan Moore stories that were made. Mm-hmm. From Hell, mm-hmm. super intimate story, that's super true. small cast. Yeah, V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. Although it has big ideas, your main cast still very small. Yeah. So they're very tiny, intimate, bite-sized stories of like, here's just a little slice, mm-hmm. and we don't have to build a whole world. You had to build a whole world with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's true. <laughs> so you got to reach for the stars. Yeah. However, I will say that as much as everybody likes to take a shit on that movie, mm-hmm. it really sort of paved the way for a lot of how movies ended up looking. Like, there's a lot of films even now... That And some of them are like the bigger, goofier blockbusters, which, you know, may not be a great thing. But there's a lot of movies that take their visual cues from how League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was filmed. Mm-hmm. No, um, absolutely. I would say the aesthetic was great. And, like, part of it, I feel like I do have a soft spot just because I adore the characters themselves. True, like, that helps. Like, just knowing, like, the literature side of it. I'm like, oh, yay, I love these. Like, they're my babies. But, like, it, I don't think that it deserved as much of the shitting on that it got do you think the in general or it compared to other films at the time do you think the cg is a strike against it as well because it hasn't aged terribly well because hide is super cg mm-hmm. invisible man is cg well i don't remember i mean like some of the like eye rolly jokes of the invisible man were okay but like i don't remember the effect being wretched now i haven't watched not it terrible because it, it was like yeah. it was kind of claude rainsy it was like yeah it was either he was bandaged up in the suit or he was, like, floating sunglasses exactly. and hats. So, yeah, it wasn't terribly... You no, know, I do want to do a quick Google because I feel like some of the Jekyll and Hyde effects were yes. tangible. Yes, because like, he had I the super big arms. Had, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I know he had some of the actual... But when he's, like, like moving around the bits. city and stuff like that, that was all It does CG. get a little rough, yeah. And I think some of the um, the Nemo stuff as far as, like, the Well, the boat, yeah, yeah, the giant cutlass that cut through the ocean and stuff like that like it's so cool but it's some of it's like you were so close but it, like we just didn't have the technology yet that but also i feel like the the reason it gets dumped on mm-hmm. is that it has a lot of similarities to wild wild west of like I don't know here's the here's about. the big overblown like visuals that are all cg like the mm-hmm. cutlass and stuff yeah and here's like the you know, slick, new age variation on, like, an older, like, Victorian era kind of thing. Like, that kind of look That's and That's true, because all of them are sort well, I mean, part of it, I, again, I'm making excuses for it, but in the sense, like, in the context of the movie itself, because, like, they're all out of time, if that makes well, sense. True. Like, you know, the Mina's thing is fucking, like, vintage Transylvania, you know, because right, I mean? yeah, yeah. she's literally, like, Dracula's bitch, and then it's like, well, Dorian's been alive for too long, like, he doesn't... Right. You know, like, he's out of that time, so, right. like, everybody's sort of pulled from it. But I can see that that's, yeah, it's the mix of, like, modern and Victorian, at, like, pre-steampunk. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't think anyone's really super nailed 
a serious steampunk-esque sort of vibe in a movie. It always kind of comes across cringy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So if I had to if I had to pin down why people have shit all over this movie mm-hmm. the most, it's because of like that the overblown Wild Wild West Wild Wild West esque yeah. visuals and stuff like that. Although and really, that should just be a plus because I love I, Wild I know Wild that's Wild the future West, episode so is going to be you. fuck you. It's yeah. a good movie, Wild Wild West, but. Um, the other thing is, and the, mm-hmm. the reason why I think deep down why this movie gets shit mm-hmm. on, is because it's Sean Connery's last film. I feel like everyone walked away with the same feeling, mm-hmm. this was not worth it to be your last film. <laughs> I feel like that's subconsciously deep down, that's where all this stems from. That's is probably like, very true. You should have just been Indiana Jones for real. Like, you shouldn't have been pretend Indiana Jones in a, in a team-up movie. Fuck that. I feel like that's, yeah. like, like the, everyone's like, oh, he should be ashamed that that was his last movie. And that turned into, this movie just sucks ass. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I feel like, like that's kind of where. just, like, general fan stigma about it. Right. And then it became this big punchline from there and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That's a joke. Um, so, I feel like that's probably the, the, the nucleus of it is. Connery should have picked a better film to, to go out on. To bow out on, yeah. And it was also uncomfortable because the fucking Twisterino that Alan Quartermain yeah, lives at the say, end, like, and it's like, uh, it would, if it had done well, it wouldn't have been his last movie? Like, would they have kept him around? Would like, paid him enough? Yeah. yeah. So, and that's, you're probably right there, because he said before he he'd, he was willing to come out of retirement mm-hmm. to play a Bond villain oh, if yeah. there was enough money. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Which he totally should. That, that would be a nice little, like, bring it all yeah, around circle, together, him and yeah. Daniel Craig. Um... So can we do just a, So now we end this segment, touch. which by the way, this uh, this soft uh, preview ended up being a full-blown episode. So yes, the podcast, we're going to podcast, fuck you, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's our first two defenses, and now, Luna, I will leave the floor to you for the inverse of that to fuck you, it's a bad movie. Yes. So this movie... I watched maybe 30, 40 minutes of. Which is, I think, abnormal. I don't think in the future it's going to be, I quit watching this halfway through. I feel like <laughs> this is a special exception. I quit watching it because I was so goddamn mad. To the point where I literally Googled, why do people like this movie? Not a good sign. Yeah, because I was like, I don't understand why anybody likes this movie. What? And cat is being very precarious and... Oh, oh, he, yeah, he's being... He's, uh, a tiny fucking up, bean. as they say. <laughs> well, as soon as he falls into the trash, he's gonna okay, be good. Really mad. Anyway. Yeah. So, anywho, who's gonna do? So, this movie seems like it's right up my fucking alley. Yep. It is my aesthetic. It is my shit. It is hailed as, like, the perfect... The one thing... The one of the, the sites I read, the headline of, hailed it as a combination of Rocky Horror and Blade Runner. I think it was Blade Runner? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Blade Runner, but... It is, uh, let me go ahead and spoiler alert. Uh It's a massive insult to both films. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, well, at least Rocky Horror, because it was like, oh, it's this cult classic, and it's a fucking whoop-dee-doo. Repo the genetic opera. Oh, boy. I fucking hate it, man. You didn't even finish it, and you hate it. I didn't. I hate every moment that I watched of it. Okay, so, like, the music sucks dick, Mm -hmm. because, like, all of the songs... Where, like, if you just wrote regular dialogue and then somebody burst through the door and put a gun to your head and said, you have to make it a musical. Right. Because, like, none of it seems like it was meant to be a musical. Like, it's just either yelling or talking. And, like, nothing makes any goddamn sense. So you get this whole, like, adorably graphic um, 
and I mean graphic as in like comic book graphic-y sort of intro that sort of sets the stage of like here's this universe here's, here's the world that this is exactly. existing in here's what's going on in the story like get you caught up to speed so we can just dive right in and yet the first whole portion of the movie is still re-explaining what you've already told me right so i understand what's happening you already told me it almost feels like it, it almost feels like they filmed it and then they were like oh wait no my cousin drew this thing and they're like oh that looks really I cool i promised him we'd put it in the movie ah, yeah. we'll put both in i guess exactly and then it's like okay so you you sort of start to meet the characters that are part of this fucking shit show and uh, it makes me crazy so there's like the girl who's got like blood cancer or whatever and her dad won't let her outside which spoiler alert very heavy-handedly leading to like her dad's the repo man okay but like she goes to catch this weird fucking phosphorescent bug but then she meets hottie grave robber guy i don't know what his name is uh, I didn't watch the Hottie McGrave Robber, actually. Yeah, That's Hottie McGrave Robber, yeah. So while he's singing, he alerts the authorities that they're grave robbing. Which is illegal. Yeah, but like what? Because he really needed to scream that part in the song, not because he wanted to alert the police. Now, here's the like, thing. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask something. Why did he do that? And I don't want you uh-huh. to be, I don't want you mm-hmm. to get angry. I don't um, want angry. Um... <laughs> Promise me you won't get angry. Abby, someone. No, um, and this isn't to say that these are even like remotely in the same c- class. Right. But Please don't insult me with whatever you're about to but say. But the sing talking mm-hmm. um uh dialogue through mm-hmm. song kind right. of a thing. Um I agree with you mm-hmm. that it does not work in, in repo. Yeah. Why does it not work in Repo, but it works in Sweeney Todd, mm-hmm. the movie version, yes, and the Gerard Butler Phantom? I love the Gerard Butler. You love both those films. You love both of them. Why does it? Why does that same technique work for those, but does not work for Repo? Well, I think the difference is it. The songs in. Any other musical, which, by the way, not a fucking stranger to musical theater or musical right. movies. Like, this is You're my a big shit. old mark for Yeah, this. so I'm not just like, oh, they're singing and they're talking. I don't get it. Like, no, these, this is bad. This is a bad example of this thing. Because at least in anything else that is good and pure and wholesome in this world, the songs are intentional. Like, dialogue can absolutely lead into a song. I've watched Disney movies since the day I was born. True. Like, this is a thing that happens. But it's like... And not saying that everything even has to rhyme, but, like, it should have a flow. Like, there's just no It shouldn't flow. feel forced. Yeah. Like, it feels like they had I would say, horn songs in, I would not say it the, was a musical first, and then they right. made the rest of the I movie. I would say the closer comparison for me is not necessarily Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. I would say closer to Sweeney Todd, in terms of, like, it is a very gothic story. True, and it's bloody. And you know, bloody, like it's and it's trying to, and it's trying to convey dark and horror elements through song mm-hmm. yeah Whereas absolutely phantom it depends on how you're playing it right you know rocky horror is not really like a gore or horror fest per se it's a lot more campy yeah i was gonna say there's a lot more camp to it and right. i think that's sort of the cover they tried to make with this of like oh it's campy though like but it's really oh not. i definitely feel like there's a there's a tommy wiseau element to exactly. it of like that they tried to this after sucks the fact. Yeah. so we're gonna say that it's like counterculture 
and cool and that it, when yeah. you're marketing yourself as a cult classic i always feel like that's a red flag exactly and you so should, they it's like giving yourself a nickname yeah. we will tell you that you're a cult classic right well the thing about it was and um the bit i had read on it as to why they had to hail it as a cult classic before it was even released was because they knew it was gory and kind of gro- intentionally gross enough that it was never going to get mainstream popularity right. like it's not going to be a big thing. like ugh. So they had to say that as like a cover for it. Of mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, it's a cult classic. That's it's like right. a marketing Exactly. Tool. They used it as a marketing thing, not because it's actually revered as a cult classic. Right. It's like uh, the old exploitation tricks where it's right. like it, you couldn't make a great movie, so you'll make a sleazy movie yeah, we just and market it as such. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, and it just, it's just, it's bad. Like I'm stunned are, that you've got this much of a strong emotion after only seeing a third of the film. I'm so mad. Like, I'm so offended. I'm so offended that I, I was just, I couldn't, I can't keep it inside because I really wanted to like it. You right. know, it's everything that I should, it's all of the pieces are there. They just put the puzzle together wrong. Right. Like, ugh, the music numbers are forced or, like, oddly repetitive. Like, right. the song that her dad sings has the same, like, uh, main, like, verse three times, but we're not going anywhere. Like, right. he has a secret. Right. And the, secret, secret. Yeah, because he thinks that he killed the wife, but it turns out he didn't kill the wife. He was set up to make himself think that he killed the wife. And, like, somehow the guy's going to use blood cancer daughter as revenge. Whatever, point being. I fucking hate it. And, like, I didn't want to and i right. guess that's why i'm so mad like i really wanted to enjoy this because i know that other people do clearly mm-hmm. but i was like i just cannot get behind any of this because it's just so like poorly executed and the only redeeming thing that i had gotten to and the only redeeming thing that i knew going in is that sarah brightman's fucking gothy glow up in this is 110 like she's that's good so good as blind mag like she looks phenomenal and like i knew sarah brightman anyway obviously is like og phantom of the opera like it, the musical was written for her like she is great and she looks fucking great in this movie and that's it the end that's all i give a shit about like that everything is dumb and like the whole <clears throat> so okay so i totally understand the whole point of like that like plastic surgery like super superficial culture mm-hmm. thing because the whole like thing is like, yeah, on. like, oh, you can modify any part of your body now. Why stop at, like, getting a nose job? Fucking get a new kidney if you need one. Which, like, you can do that anyway. It's called a medical fucking transplant. Like, how is... Whatever. But the weird, like, painkiller that they inject, or, like, that they draw from dead people's noses, like, first of all, what the fuck is that from? Is it, like, brain fluid? Like, what? But they're like, oh, well, it's this painkiller, but you can get it off the market. Like, it's, like, drugs. And I'm like... Okay, but what does that have to do with the body mods? Is it because, like, the body mods are painful? Or is this a subplot of, like, drug running? Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know how these things are connected or if they're just trying to add subplots. Like, I don't know. It just, there's just so much going on and it's all bad. Because then it's like, well, you've got the guy who owns the big stupid company. There's a lot of ideas and they're all not great ideas. Yeah, there's the guy who owns the big stupid company and his three shitbag kids. But then it's like... Uh, they're all nightmares in their own fucking regard. And one of them seems way too old to be part of this. Isn't that Bill Mosley, I think? Yeah. Yeah, he plays one of them. Which he's a great actor. I love him. But yeah, it's like... In the context of this situation... Yeah, he's way older than than what the role really required. Yeah, because they're squabbling over, like, who's going to inherit the company when dad kicks it. And he's like, oh, well, you guys have to listen to me. And I'm like, grandpa, you? Like, like, what the fuck? Especially when the other two are, like, Paris Hilton and the other dude who wears people's faces. Like... 
he just seemed so one oddly normal and oddly old. And I was yeah. like, we could have gotten a better cast. I thought you were other dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, then what's the point of having him there? It just, right. It's all, yeah. Too many story li- lines going on that don't really connect. And it's all just poorly done. And I was okay. so, so wholeheartedly offended. Why does anybody like this fucking dumb movie? There you go. Excellent. Well, that was a, uh, so that was an extended sample of the new podcast within a podcast. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. It's a good movie. Uh, we would love to hear your suggestions on films to either uh, defend or or roast. Or roast. <laughs> so feel free to throw those suggestions at us on social media. Um, and I guess I'll do the plugs here. I'll get our shit in. Yeah, totally. um, also, if you're not already, feel free to follow us on various social media outlets. Subscribe to us on, um, I think. I, Everywhere you get your podcast. There you go. Good yeah. answer. Um, also other plugs last week, Chad and I had a nice sit down about, uh, the various states of wrestling right now and about fighter fest, which will you be actually talked about wrestling, yeah. wrestling podcast, which, we'll uh, talk. Luna and I will be at fighter fest, Hell yeah. uh, next weekend, not this weekend. Um, also, oh, uh, the kind of sister podcast, frightful failures just posted the full blown monster of the week mystery that Tien Guignol put together. Uh, Romanian WrestleFest, which was super weird and a lot of fun. Uh, so that's up on YouTube now, which is also, uh, I think we've all shared the link on social media. And uh, just, uh, yeah, thank you all for listening and, and supporting us. And uh, until next time, I am the sexually aggressive koala. I'm Duchess One Fingerbang. Uh, and until next time, everybody, deuces. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. Greetings, everybody. Chad Allen here from the IndyCast. Uh, well, I guess, obviously, they're listening to the show. Uh, here to talk to you about Phil Singer Game. Uh, I know you've probably heard us talk about it uh, before if you're a listener of the episode, but if you're not, Phil Singer Game for over 30 years has been the top wrestling card and dice role-playing style game that's on the market right now. An absolute blast to play uh, if you play the Champions of the Galaxy version, where you can pretend to be one of the many stars from the future and battle them out to legends of uh, today from here on Earth with guys like Andre the Giant and the Road Warriors or to the most recent independent up-and-comers. You can play any single one of them or you can even play them against each other. It gives you the chance to have those dream matches you never thought you wanted to see until right this moment. And you can find out all about it on philsingergames.com. There are hundreds of wrestlers to choose from. Tell them the IndyCast sent you. Go to philsingergames.com. Just shove it in my face. I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty ass Meryl Street. We are, we're touching wieners. Touching wieners dirty. professionally. What I am is a big, queer, stone cold Steve Austin. Mom, save vagina.